Hi, my name is Laura Lee, and this is It's Not About Food. So it's not about food, and it's not about weight. What is it about? Everything else. Because it's never ever about food, or weight, never ever, not even, one time, not ever, ever, ever. Storygram Network. Hosting for this podcast is generously provided by Transistor at Transistor.fm. Hello, everyone. Welcome to It's Not About Food podcast. And today we're talking about the card Body Wisdom. And the front of the card has the goddess standing rooted in the earth, really strongly into the earth. And what's growing through her is a trunk of a tree, and then it's going up over her head and her shoulders. And it just is a very powerful image of her being rooted in her body and in the earth's body. And the deer, power animals looking on and also being rooted onto the earth. And the back of the card says, body wisdom is the inherent wisdom we each hold within our own bodies that tell us what we need physically, emotionally, and spiritually. When we listen to the wisdom of our bodies, we intuitively know how to feed ourselves, satisfy our needs, and accept our natural bodies. And the only thing I would add to that, whatever they look like, whatever color they come, whatever size they come, whatever shape or height or width, you know, whatever way, however way they come, we can accept them We can trust them, and we can satisfy our needs about that. So I am so pleased to have a part two today with Shavise, and I'm going to have her introduce herself and tell us what's been going on with her, and uh, then we'll talk about body wisdom, which is one of my most favorite things to talk about because I feel like we don't ever talk about that. We don't ever talk about that. Yeah, people say, I don't know what to eat. I feel like I don't have any idea what to eat. And it's like, but your body does. Listen to that. Anyway, so, hello, Shavise. Will you introduce yourself? Thank you. I'm so happy to be here again. My name is Shavise Turner, and I was the founder of the Binge Eating Disorder Association, and I have a long history, most of my life, in fact, of eating disorders primarily binge eating disorder, but also atypical anorexia. And I previously also worked for the National Eating Disorders Association and now am embarking on a new project, which I can just say a little bit about. It it has to do with weight discrimination and, and really creating a movement around body trust, exactly what we're talking about today. And I talk about it as body liberation and body trust and body liberation are two words that really were 
taught, I guess taught is the word by Hillary Knavey and, and Dana Stuvesant and the Body Trust Organization in Oregon. And I have a close relationship with them and I've just learned so much from them even past my own recovery. And so I really believe that that's the future body liberation and really trusting our bodies. So I'm excited about that. And I look forward to all of those who I know will join in on in this path to something different for all of us. Yeah, I agree with you. And I feel like as long as I've been working with this issue with my own self that I started with and then branched out to helping others with it, that I don't really know if I had an eating disorder. I think I had more of a body hatred disorder, (laughs) which then fed into an eating disorder, pardon the pun, or disordered eating, because I kept trying to lose that natural body that I had in order to get another kind of body that I would approve of and that maybe other people will approve of. So the disorder was really in the thinking, not really in the doing, if you will. And to me, it's turning the whole thing on its head. You know, what if we are not worrying about what people are eating, but we're worrying about whether they hate their bodies or not, or they hate themselves or not? What if we just don't even worry about the food at all? Obviously, the name of the podcast is not about food because it is not about food. It's about everything else underneath that. So when you talk about this issue, so what would you tell young women that are sort of starting in on their lives right now and they're going to be hit with all these things as soon as they start to develop hips and thighs and breasts and stuff like that? What would you start saying to them if we are going to change the narrative a little bit? Yeah. Well, I always think of what I would tell young Chavis. Uh-huh. <laughs> exactly. I started using what we think of as eating disorder behaviors as young as five. And my mother was using those behaviors. It was what was modeled for me in my family by pretty much everyone. And there was a constant conversation about the fear of fat. So I do try to honor that there probably was not a whole lot that I could have done at that young, young age to really help myself be, you know, and I think for most children, they're so surrounded by this. And so we have to kind of give ourselves the grace to understand that there was nothing that we did wrong and nothing that we could have done to really get out of it. But as we grew older, what I would tell her what I have told my own children who I have boys, but I truly believe that while it's somewhat different, it's very much the same. Exactly. And, you know, we also know that there are so many folks who are non-binary and we know that gender is not something that necessarily is specific to these issues. So what I would say is use your questioning ability, that those thoughts you're having that, which I'm convinced all of us had when we were younger and as we continued to grow, that this just doesn't feel right. You know, what I'm being told doesn't feel right. And why is it okay for people to tell me my body's not right? Why isn't my body okay? Right. This is how it is. 
wait, why are they telling me that I must be doing X, Y, and Z in order for my body to look like this when I know I'm not? Uh, so, so using those critical thinking skills that you're learning in school around all kinds of subjects and use them around this as well. It's, it's really, really important to trust those little tiny questions that are in there that you kind of push away because you're like, oh, no, no, well, that's not reality. This is reality. What I'm hearing all the time about healthy bodies and getting to a healthy weight, that is what's reality. And I just believe that we as humans are actually evolved to really listen to ourselves. And I don't doubt that there are things that go wrong with the human body in terms of disease. And, and there may be things with eating disorders that are, you know, some brain issues. I don't know. I'm not a scientist. and I do trust science. But I also know that we do get so much information about ourselves. And we're taught from a very young age to dismiss it and to listen to the outside world. And I think that has made us very ill in many things, not just eating disorders. You know, if we take the current environment and we see that there's so much misinformation being shared, and it's so blatant right now, who's to say that some of the information that we've taken in about our bodies in the past has been misinformation? Yes, exactly. And not because anyone is trying to harm us intentionally, but humans think in different ways and come up with solutions to problems, and they're not always the best solution. So that's a long-winded way of saying I would tell myself as a child, as an adult, as a teenager, and to anyone else that learning to trust yourself again, that is the work. Yes, that is the work, to trust yourself when we're little tiny babies, we completely trust ourselves. We're obviously depending on other people to feed us and to change us and to carry us around because we're little. But watching a baby know exactly what it wants to eat, when it wants to eat, how much it wants to eat is phenomenal if you really look at it. It's sort of like they are so much wiser than us. I've had a, my own child and I've had grandchildren and as little as they are, they know exactly what they want to do. And we're trusting that for a little kid. But then why don't we trust them when they're five or eight or 10 or going through puberty at 14? Why do we think, oh, they've gotten completely away from their natural bodies? No, they're still in there. Um, it's us that have gotten away from the, the trust that they know. And I do think that oftentimes the pushback here when we're talking about this is, well, food, which we know it's not about the food, but right. we all need food to survive. Right. Food is manufactured and it's manufactured to humans' desire for pleasure. Yeah. And I don't doubt that. My husband's actually a food scientist. He no longer works in that field, but I know that there are ways that food is 
prepared in order to increase the draw to it. But I think that in my own experience and in many others who have really taken on this approach of relearning trust in themselves, you actually begin to notice when that is happening. So there was a time in my life where Oreo cookies were, and Oreos are always the thing that are held up as the food addictive (laughs) (laughs) in food addiction science. I could never pass an Oreo by. (laughs) And now when I eat an Oreo, I get a headache. And there are a lot of other foods that do that to me. And I think that was happening before. Yeah. But I was convinced that I was so drawn to that food that I needed it. Yes. I could not hear what my body was telling me that my body actually didn't like it. My head hurt. So even with that finely tuned piece of food and whatever it does in my brain, I was able to feel that it didn't make me feel good. Right. And that was a piece of really important information for me. Right. So what we're getting into is that, again, the body knows whether we, in our head, will allow that to happen or to get that information in is a whole other thing. That's one of the exciting things about remembering or relearning intuitive eating is that all food is the same. It's just food. Oreos, a piece of lettuce, and a cupcake, all the same. It's just a matter of whether your body likes them or not, or whether that's going to really feed the hunger that you're having right now. So I found that for me, when I had my disordered eating, if you will, I would just binge on ice cream all the time. I just thought I loved ice cream so much. But when I made it legal, I could have ice cream anytime, place, anywhere. It didn't matter. I could have it. I learned that, you know, I kind of don't like ice cream. It's cold. <laughs> it <laughs> makes my throat kind of hurt a little bit. I don't know. When I really got that I could have it, I found that I was not really a sweet, cold person. I was more like a salty, warm person, you know? (laughs) It's sort of, give me a French fry and I'll be happy with that. But I had to go through this, this, not this, this, not this. How about this? No. How about this? Yes. And it changed. As I've gotten older, my tastes have changed. My body desire for food has changed. You know, it's like I used to could eat this, and now my body's just saying, yeah, no, not at this age. We're not having that. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Not this late in the day. You know, whatever. If I put weight in there, it ruins everything (laughs) because it completely goes to the head and not the heart, not the tummy. So... I love that we're talking about this because I think this is such a huge thing. And we have to then let go of the idea that we have to be any one size or not in order to eat intuitively. There's just no way to eat intuitively and still have a diet mentality. Yes, it's so true. And what I found 
after a lifetime of weight cycling, being caught up in diet mentality, using eating disorder behaviors to try to solve what I thought was a problem with my body size, losing lots of weight multiple times. And then when I would really, I look back now and I was eating intuitively again because I was starving. So I would start eating again and I just couldn't get enough because I starved myself for so long. Exactly. And then I would cycle back to the weight I was originally. Um, and I would usually go past that because the body wants to hold on to that weight and, and it wants to protect us from famines. It can't decipher whether losing weight is famine or a diet. Because <laughs> right. it's, so it's crazy. Really yeah. so smart once again and says, I'm going to give you a little extra weight so that if this happens again, it, it'll take a little bit longer yeah. for you to get down to this dangerous weight. And so once again, it's the body being so incredibly smart and really helping us. And our whole culture is set up to fight that. Yeah, it is. And when you think about people say, well, I used to look so much better. I used to be so much thinner when I was younger. Well, I used to wear diapers as a child, yeah. but I don't do that anymore. I mean, not yet. Maybe I will in a few more years. But yeah, we shift and change. Our bodies shift and change. We're not going to be the, you know, I don't mean to brag, but I wear the same size earrings as I did in high school. You know, I mean, there's, there's a thing about, well, I looked so good when I got married 45 years ago. Sure, all of us did. <laughs> oh, it's so crazy. Yeah. It's really sad that we can't embrace each stage of our lives and where our bodies are and what they're showing. And we live in such a, a youth-focused, thin world. When you really start to think about it, it's sad because it doesn't honor what the body has been through and what it's done for you. No, it doesn't honor it at all. It's just we're still mad at it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I do want to acknowledge that there are bodies that are not working for people, that there are disabilities and there are incredible hardships that people are experiencing. And those folks have these issues as well. So it can be a very complicated relationship that we have with our bodies. Right. And why? Why has it gotten that way? And for me, I always think follow the money. We have been taught to have a complicated relationship with our bodies that our bodies are like, what? I'm okay. What's the matter with you? <laughs> well, we've put money into there. We've put that we should do this or should do that. We compare ourselves not only to each other, but to ourselves as we were younger. And again, we live in a racist, sizist, sexist, ageist society. And it's all about you need to look younger. You need to not be this color. You need to not be this person. You need to be something different. Right. And I think through the years has become increasingly difficult for men as well. And I see my own husband, he just, he has a metabolism and genetics that he just was extremely thin as a young man. 
which he wanted to be a bit bigger. And now he's, I mean, he's just so average, you know, in every way in terms of his body. And yet I see him struggle with that sometimes. And I think it's just odd. And I have other male friends who are balding and they might have a little tummy or whatever. And it's the same thing. They're feeling the pressure as well. And that's really sad when our society, when no one is exempt from this pressure. Right. Exactly. No one is exempt. And you're lucky enough to live to be an older person. <laughs> you know, yes. We should be there instead of, yeah, but look, everything's sagging. Of course, everything wants to return to Mother Earth. Yeah. So it's all falling down as much as it can. And I don't know, we're just so insane. And if we do start to get saggy, then you can get this magic cream or you can get this surgery or you can get, or you can eat better, whatever that means. Yeah. So what are you running up against in the bigger world of this idea of health at every size? You know, that no matter how you come is fantastic. You get a seat at the table. How's that showing up with you on a national level? Right. Health at every size really began many decades ago when some of our foremothers were really at the beginning of this work and noticing what this culture was going to, you know, their focus at that time was on women and they, much like the feminist movement, were not exactly intersectional, but it was the beginning work and looking at what if we thought about this differently? Instead of starting with your size is wrong and therefore we're going to fix that in order for you to be healthy, what if we kind of flip that on its head and we said, look, let's look at how we can be healthy in whatever body size you're living in now. Well, I don't think I know as the movement has evolved, what health at every size means is really a very personal thing that not every or really anybody is gonna be 100% healthy all the time. We're all going to be dealing with different things over the lifespan, and that includes mental health, of course. And so we all do the best we can. We engage in the health behaviors that we're able to and find ways of living and surviving that work for us. And I think for many of us with a history of disordered eating, which in reality is pretty much everybody. Mm -hmm, exactly. <laughs> but there are some of us who have taken that to another level where it becomes a very serious mental health issue. It is going to be individual, but it is sustainable over the lifespan. Whereas diets and constantly changing your body is not sustainable. We all know we do it for a while and then we can't continue anymore because it's just exhausting and it ruins our mental health. So health at every size, and it's really important that this is not health at any size, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, which actually could mean the same thing, but sure. so many people get it mixed up, but it's health at every size, that every size that anyone is at, that 
they can pursue health behaviors to the extent that they want. And we know, especially in some folks who are poor, who don't have access to good food, they don't have a choice to pursue what are deemed healthy foods. So there's a lot of cultural influence and economic influence and so forth. And there are people out there who really, for some reason, (laughs) find this threatening. And it goes against how they perceive the world. I'm not quite understanding how you can't want health for everybody, no matter what size they're at, and give them the freedom and the liberty to pursue that. But there are folks who are threatened by it. And honestly, I think it's people that really just don't understand the tenants and what it's about. And it is a social justice issue because it is about access to food and care and rights for everyone. Right. And I think there's a contingency of folks out there that are really more interested in protecting their own, what they currently have, and not interested in opening that up and sharing with the broader community. So it does become political. And I, in fact, believe bodies are political. I believe everything is political. I have a political (laughs) science degree. (laughs) Exactly. The definition of politics is who gets what. And so in my brain, everything is political. Right. It's true. And I'm not ashamed to say that. I mean, my right to want to listen to my body and take care of it the best I possibly can, and I have a whole ton of privilege, that's political because there are people who don't want my body to be the way it is. I'm taking that for myself. And in some groups, that is a huge issue. Right. Well, it's sort of like how we evolved, hopefully, that we don't say out loud how much we don't like people of color. And so we don't say that. And we don't say anything about people who have handicaps. And we don't say anything about different things. But we can still say, oh, that person is so, so fat or so not okay, however way they look. or and. Right. That's still our last ism that we're holding on to and being okay with saying it out loud. And there's movies where the one-sized person will be like the brunt of all the jokes. Mm -hmm. It just drives me insane. And I think, why are you laughing at this? Let's talk about this rather than make it a joke. Let's talk about why this is not okay for you to, to still be saying this like this, you know. Anyway. I do think it is important to acknowledge that at the intersection of the, that fat phobia is way out in front. It is one of those things that we feel like, okay, we have carte blanche to make these jokes out in the open and so forth. And yet we know that the racism and the ableism and the, all the isms are right there intersecting with the sizeism and the the fat phobia. And so they're all still very much there, but we're just not, most people are not putting them out there in the way that we talk about fat phobia. But there is a movement underway. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. We're taking back the word fat. I identify as a, a fat woman because I am. And I don't want to put a negative connotation on that word. I am fat. 
and there's nothing negative about that. Right, right. It's sort of like in the 80s when gay people took the word queer. We're queer, we're here, get used to it. You know, I feel like we have to say Yeah, it's very much. Exactly, the same yeah. thing, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I so much appreciate you being on once again to talk about this extremely important and hard to get your head wrapped around for most people in the culture. I'm really happy that you were here and talking to me today about body wisdom and the body gets to do what it wants to do. I just feel like free willy, free the body, you know, <laughs> let, it, let it be, let it be, you know, worry about your yeah. own later you know but like let your body be whatever it wants to be it'll be so much happier well i will read body wisdom today i will practice trusting in the wisdom of my body wouldn't that be the greatest thing if we wrote okay today i'm just going to trust my body i will listen to my body when i am hungry and full listen for what my body wants and needs and trust the intuitive voice of my body So I really appreciate you talking today, and I'm excited about wherever it is that you're going next with your little path that you're on to, your intuitive path, and um, appreciate you being here today. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening, and be sure and follow me on Patreon, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and it's not about food.com. Thanks.